Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of our Auburn football podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by the one and only Jason Campbell. Uh, we hope everyone has had their time to grieve the difficult Auburn loss this past weekend. Jason, this was a tough one. Yeah, Taylor, this was a tough loss. But in all, in all ways, there was a lot we can take from this game. Yeah, we knew going into that environment, it was going to be a hostile a hostile crowd and everyone would be in it. And we were going to get their best effort. Uh, anytime you become a, a winning program and you, and you have a lot going for you, you then become the hunted. So, you know, not all is lost. I feel like we still can, uh, you know, improve from this and, and get ready for the big games we got coming up the, ro- coming up the road. So, you know, guys, you got to keep their heads up and just stay together and understand, like, hey, you hit bumps in the road sometimes, but just just respond. You know, I appreciate that in you, Jason. You you clearly sound like an athlete who's learned to just bounce back after a loss, but uh, I'm wounded. I feel personally victimized by this loss in the swamp, and I need some consoling. So what did you see in this game that gives you the comfort that this team will bounce back? Well, what gives me the comfort is our defense is so strong. You know, we went into uh, into that environment and we created turnovers. And that's the one thing we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And Coach Steele has been you know, preaching it over and over. And these guys has done an outstanding job of creating turnovers. And our front four, you know, you still can't say enough about those guys and Derrick and Marlon and Nick Poe and, and Big Cat. And now you also look at our linebackers last week. You know, Zacoby McClain, you know, he was had an outstanding game. You know, that guy really came to play and everything. So, you know, Things are getting better, and anytime you can go on the road, I always say championships are won by the defense and offense sales tickets. And, you know, in this game, mm-hmm. you know, our offense kind of sputtered a little bit. You know, we kind of, you know, we couldn't get our run game going the way that we like to, and that's kind of how we run all our all our plays off of it, especially our play action and our RPOs. When your run game is looking solid, then you're able to hit those those deep slants behind it. You're able to get the ball down the field. And, and I think this was more than anything a, a big learning experience, uh, you know, especially for Bo, you know, being in that type of atmosphere. That's not even an easy task for a senior to go into. So, I think for him is just uh, understanding and, uh, you know, take your wounds, you know, and your lumps and keep moving, you know, keep your head held high. I think the one thing that we can do, though, to help him, I feel like is when we know it's third and ones and thirds and twos and you do have a booby with low in the backfield. And, you know, I think that's the time that you can bring in like a Gatewood. You know, the reason I say that because he's mm-hmm. a six five, two hundred and you know, almost 50 pound quarterback. You know, he can come in and carry two people a yard or two. So. You know, just to find ways to keep us, keep our offense on the field and keep drives alive, especially when you're facing these tough defenses that we're about to see, you know. So the bye week comes as a great time for us because I think we can utilize that. Yeah, I I agree with you, Jason, and and I got to bounce back. I, I always remind myself as the fan, if a loss hurts me this bad, I can't imagine how the players feel. So we're all going to bounce back and, uh, and know that this team is going to get 
this thing back on the tracks. We have too many great pieces on this team to not accomplish a lot moving forward. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to break down this past week, talk about the bye week and how important that is going to be for this team to regroup. And stay tuned to the end of the show. We have another fantastic guest today, former Auburn outside linebacker who is also going to be honored as a member of the 2019 SEC Football Legends class this year, Carlos Dansby, a former teammate of Jason's 14 years in the NFL. It's going to be a great Great time catching up with him and getting his perspective on everything that's going on down on the plane. So, obviously, like we said, Auburn dropped this past week in the swamp at Florida 24-13. to And, you know, the offensive struggles were obvious really from the jump. Kudos to Florida's defense, man. They were, they were ready to stop that run. They were well prepared for a Gus Malzahn offense. And honestly, for the first time, Bo Nix looked like a true freshman. Jason, what stood out to you on the offensive side of the ball as really lacking a, a cohesiveness? Yeah, you're right. I feel like early in that game, you know, our defense created those two short turnovers for us, you know, on their side of the field. I feel like it almost felt like we got depleted because we wasn't able to turn those into touchdowns. You know, we had to kick two field mm-hmm. goals. And, you know, to as an offensive player, you know, sometimes it makes you feel like, oh, that's a turnover in your head, you know, because you didn't capitalize, you know, and turn that into a touchdown on their side of the field. Right. And you're talking about flipping the game, flipping momentum, and you're talking about putting the pressure back onto their offense, which was already one-dimensional. You know, we already knew that they couldn't run the football and, uh, and everything coming into this game. So – I feel like if we could have got ahead of them and put them in a point where they was playing catch up, then the game really flips into our advantage. And uh, I feel like offensively, we just got to find a way to continue to get our vertical game going, you know, especially against teams like this, because they are going to stay. When you get against the LSUs, the Georgia, the Bamas, and, you know, pretty sure Arkansas watching the tape, they're going to make you throw the ball until you can prove to us that you can, that you can hit us vertically in our passing game and that you can uh, hit some of those deep over routes and uh, and everything. So I feel like we got to find a way to get our short passing game going, like hit some slants and maybe get some hitches and just some quick plays, like where it's not such long developing plays, you know, because it's hard to have mm-hmm. long developing plays against a defensive front like Florida had and guys that can run, they're fast because that puts a lot of pressure on your offensive line and uh, and everything. So I feel like if we can just get some quick hitters, you know, like some first down hitters, where I mean by just hit a quick slant, they hit some quick outs, and then that way now you're second and four, second and five, and then you put the defense on their heels a little bit because now you become a two-way option where you can actually hit a play-action pass or you can actually run the ball and you're in third and one instead of third and six, third and, six, third and seven. So long and distant where defense can kind of peel their ears back and come out to the quarterback or just play the sticks and keep everything in front of you. So I feel like we just got to find a better way to, to, to move the ball more on first down. And first down to me is always a great play action pass down just because I say that because everyone anticipate run because most defenses mm-hmm. get into their base defense. What I mean by that is it's usually not a blitzing down. And uh, so people are going to give you a very vanilla base defense and they're kind of thinking that you're going to run the ball. So they're playing gaps and they're playing edges. And uh, in that way, sometimes you can hit big hit big plays on first down. So I think Gus going to look at this tape and see some things we probably could have done a little more. But definitely, like I said, like, you know, you'll take at this point in the stage, we lost one game and we fought back hard against Oregon and we won that game. And, you know, that game could have went either way. And now you look at this game and you say, okay, 
yes, we give Florida some credit. Yes, they played a really good game. But at the same time, I still take our Auburn team over them nine out of ten times. Yes, they got us one time. But I feel like if we can get those things that hurt us in the game, which you can't win if you turn the ball over, we already know that, which they turned the ball over well, so they're probably preaching the same thing today. But I feel like when the ball is turned over and it's on the other team's opponent's sideline, we got to find a way to punish them with a touchdown to make them feel like they are now playing catch-up. So there's a lot to learn from this, a lot to move forward from. Uh, coaches, players, like I said, I think we'll respond with a great effort against Arkansas and in moving forward. I want to go back to what you were saying about third downs. This team was two of 14 on third downs. You want to talk about something that diminishes confidence in a young quarterback, and that's lack of third down efficiency. You feel like every time you see third down, it, it feels like it's a lost cause. For Bo Nix and what he faced this week and the experiences that he walked away with, a lot of those, unfortunately, bad. Three interceptions. For him walking away from this game, what did he learn? What will he take into the rest of the season? Well, I think he's learned that, you know, you get against these elite teams in the SEC, you know, it's a game of inches. You know, one play can turn a game and one play can, uh, you know, can pretty much win a game in a way as well. I feel like for him, you know, the play in this type of environment was a great experience. Um, I think the other thing is understanding, like, when a game is tight like this, yes, like I said earlier, I wish we can score touchdowns instead of three points in those situations, but three points in the situation where we had the interception you know, is is outstanding because we take three right there, we still trimming down the lead. And uh and 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 the thing is like offensively, yes, we're still a little bit behind our defense. But defensively, I'm telling you right now, Coach Steele is like upset because you can play great all the way down through the game, but you give up two big plays, it kind of diminishes everything that happened up to that point. And, uh, you know, giving up the slant for a touchdown and then giving up the big run for a touchdown. You know, that's the thing you think about all week long is those two plays. And uh, so it all just goes back to us just getting back to the drawing boards. We don't have to do anything special. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to create some special unit. We just got to continue to do what we do and just do it at a more higher level. And offensively, we just got to find a way, like I said, in the red zone, I feel like to get – to get more positive yards because in the red zone this past week, everything was third and long and you can't be third and long in the red zone. And that's because you already got the football field, which has been shortened from behind you. So you can't go over the top as much because there's an end zone back there and there's a back line. So, you know, so everything becomes more compressed when you're in the red zone. So you have to be pretty much more exact on everything. That's why you saw the one play <laughs> that we kind of had when uh, both through the through the, the slant route and we kind of missed it. You caught Coach Malzahn drop his head and put his hands on his head because yeah. he knows, like, that's the one opportunity you're going to get to score that touchdown, you know, yep. because and that's the one opportunity you get to convert that. And now we're inside the goal line and everything because guess what? The next play, you're not getting that same coverage. You know, they're going to switch the right. coverage up because that was the one opportunity. And he knows in games like this with all his experience as a coach that this is a game of opportunities. You got to make the ones count, especially when they are there. Like I said, this was a tough pill to swallow, but Florida's in the East and they still got to play Georgia and we still got to play a couple of teams on the West that are really, really good. So I'm always yep. saying 
anything can happen on any given Saturday in this league. So you got to keep your head high and your chin up, and you got to practice harder than what you was practicing before because guess what? Everyone was patting you on your back for the last five weeks. You know, now you're going to hear some criticism. Now you're going to hear this and that. You don't have to change your identity. Stick to your identity. Just do it even harder and do it better. And this is the time as a team when, when things like this happen, this is when you come together even more. This is when you have each other back even more. This is when you don't let negativity slip in. You know, you stay so tight will that you don't let anything from the outside creep in to start to divide your football team. That's absolutely true. And keep in mind, back in 2013, we lost to LSU and everyone thought the sky was falling and we ended up in the national championship. So the reality is there is a lot of season left. There are a lot of teams that are going to face off Alabama and LSU that's going to have some kind of implication on the SEC. So there's still a lot that can happen and will happen for this Auburn team, but you got to think that this bye week is coming at the right time. I do want to talk about something that has obviously been a point of contention when looking at this Auburn offense, and that was the fact that Anthony Schwartz's involvement seemed very limited. He only got one touch the entire game. Do you think that was out of Florida's defensive preparation or was that a play calling issue? Why, why would a guy like Schwartz not be utilized more? Yeah. And especially I feel like Gus probably think like, man, I wish I could have found a way to get him in, more involved in the game because his speed, it doesn't matter what kind of speed is on the football field. No one has exceptional speed the way this kid can run. And right. he, changes, he changes the defense because even if you put him in motion, like I said, the eyes of a linebacker or the eyes of the safety have to account for him. And that can help open up holes for the run game. So I think it was just a lack of us having an opportunity to convert on those third downs. And when you don't convert on mm -hmm. third down, it removes a lot of your play calls and a lot of your plays that you had dialed up that you wanted to utilize, you couldn't get to because you couldn't stay on the field long enough. And so then you become playing from behind which kind of changes things. But I still feel like we just got to find a way to keep him on the field more because he is such an exceptional athlete and he can stretch the field vertically. He can stretch the field from east to west because everyone has to put their eyes on him. And like I said, whether he's touching the ball or not, he's taking an extra defender with him. And uh, right. so that's something we just got to improve on and we got to be more aware on as we go down to this season that how, how, how to utilize this kid even more. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, if you have the known fastest guy in the country on your team, it seems like I had to double take that, that he only got one touch in a game. That just seems like a, a huge benefit that is not being tapped into enough. Well, for this defense, I want you mentioned the beginning of the game. They forced two fumbles in the first quarter and both only got field goals, which obviously you want points on the board. Gus Malzahn is always going to be a guy who is okay with getting those field goals, and he's appreciative of those three points. But we saw by the end of the game that wasn't going to get it done. So to not capitalize on those opportunities, especially early, because you got to think if your defense performs like that, your offense capitalizes on at least one of them and gets into the end zone your whole persona and confidence on this team is starting the game completely differently than the way it did. Exactly, because when you look at that, like I said, if you convert even one of those, one of those, if you get a field goal, okay, that's fine. But if one of those early, you get a touchdown, you're talking about 
10 points. And then when you get a touchdown, it's an energy magnifying electric <laughs> electric that goes through your your team because your defense yeah. is like man we just gave a we just gave seven to our offense you know let's go back out there and get them the ball again let's get it seven more and it's just uh it's a, like i said it's a momentum it's almost like it's almost like it's contagious where it just goes throughout your whole team but when you only get three you still feel deflated now your defense still feel deflated and then as a play caller, you feel deflated because you feel like we didn't take advantage of the opportunity. And right. for us to continue as we go down this road is, and we have to ask ourselves, did we take any shots in those situations? You know what I mean by that? Did we try to take a home run hit after a turnover to maybe get a defensive pass interference by the defense or to take those chances? Because guess what? That wasn't even a chance that we thought we was going to have. We was playing to put them in a situation where they don't convert, so they punting us the ball. So now that they're really giving mm -hmm. us the ball in their territory, sometimes you see teams go for the home run hitter right after a big turnover, and they go for the big play because why? Because it's a momentum swinger. And it doesn't always have to be like a huge play over the top, but sometimes it can be a screen play, or sometimes it can just be a fast hitting play where you kind of got them back on their heels a little bit. I, and back to the, the Derrick Brown play is just another prime example. That was such a momentum swing. And then a couple plays later, both throws an interception. So it goes right back to Florida. And that high that everyone was on from the force fumble and, and the pickup and the run and everyone's on such a high and then you completely plummet. And if you do that too many times in a game, the, the up and down roller coaster, eventually you have a hard time getting back level. And I think that's what we saw. They they had a hard time getting their bearings about them and feeling like they had the ability to stay calm, play their game, and walk out with the W. It, they seemed almost disheveled after so many of those opportunities got the best of them. But an aspect to it that we talked about last week was going to be taking the crowd out of it because this is an environment that is known for being noisy. I mean, this is a place that is very tough to play in, and you saw that it affected our offense. I mean, Bo literally would have to lean in individually to each offensive lineman if the play changed and basically yell into Booby Whitlow's ear hole in his helmet. Like, that – that stuff affects the team. And if you are not capitalizing on defensive stops, then the crowd gets even more fired up. So in ways, we helped them. Right. It was electric from the get-go. <laughs> I was just sitting here watching on TV, and uh, I was like, man, you got to love that, like how electric it was. And that's why you come to the SEC to play football. It's because of this atmosphere. But it's like you said, Taylor, like you have to find a way – we had a great opportunity to to put them behind us early in that game, and that's how you take the crowd out of it. But once they kept the lead and once their defense kept holding us to three and they kept progressing and, and everything, even when their backup quarterback came in the game, it still – it was like the energy level was still high. You know, it wasn't like, right. okay, you know, what happened to Trask? Is he all right? Like, no, the energy level was still high. And because – but had he come in the game and they was behind – oh, you want to talk about doubt starting to creep in some players' minds and even the coaches' minds. Exactly. You know, you create that doubt in the other team. And that's why I say, like, you have to make them – everything they was thinking – you have to take the momentum from the opponent inside a hostile environment, and you do that early in the game. And uh, and that's something we weren't able to capitalize on uh, early. And uh, we end up and we end up paying for it later. And uh, right. so okay. – we got some tough games coming up, so this gonna it's gonna come back up again. And I think 
you know, next time we'll be even better prepared for it. And that's part of the learning curve. You can't worry about the things that you can't control. You can only control what you can. And right now, how do you control? We're five and one with an opportunity after the bye week to go six and one. And everybody knows what's next. And uh, but mm-hmm. you can't worry about going six and one and think you're going to creep into Arkansas and just run right over them, though. Like they're going to come ready to right. play and come prepare because you are now being hunted and they coach want to keep their job just like everybody else. You know, so he don't want to continue to lose. So he's going he gonna to find a way to come and, and fight against Auburn. And I mean, sometimes there's something very dangerous about a team that just plays with reckless abandonment because they feel like, what do we have to lose? Like what we've done so far, those teams sometimes come out with a, a fire that you don't expect. So definitely not one to uh, sleep on, but certainly a good opportunity for this team to take some time, practice, focus inward, focus on what mistakes were made at Florida and correct them moving forward. Because like you said, if you are given those opportunities, especially early in the game, and you do not capitalize on them, they will have a lingering effect the rest of the game. And if you want to talk about another place where you're going to need to take the crowd out of it, it's Death Valley. So looking at that Florida game and the early opportunities that could have changed the landscape of the result, this team has to know how to change that narrative by the time we head down to Baton Rouge. So Absolutely could be a great learning experience. And also just want to say a ton of credit to Kyle Trask. I think this guy is is not getting the credit that he deserved because he was kind of overlooked. Florida was the only school that gave him an offer. He never started a single high school game. And his composure in the pocket and accuracy when he let that ball go was very impressive and certainly deserves more credit than he's getting. Yeah, he definitely deserves a lot of credit. Um, you know, from talking to some of the guys that, that played at Florida, that went on to play in the NFL, that I know his friends, you know, they even said, like, man, we saw this kid in the spring, and, you know, we was all like, man, if this kid ever get his opportunity, we feel like he can be the player that Florida's been looking for at the quarterback position, you know, since the Spurrier era. And, uh, mm. and and the reason they say that because he's one of those quarterbacks that they like to sit in the pocket, you know, he likes to make the throws. And you can see he can make all the throws. And he yeah. played against a great defensive front in Auburn. And did he have some turnovers? Yes, he had some turnovers as well. And you also saw that, you know, he, he didn't he didn't flutter. Only thing that kind of shaking me up this game that I didn't like to hear was, you know, Dan Mullen coming out saying that uh, Marlon Davidson hit was, uh, dirty. you know, it was dirty hit. And – I was just like, how can you really watch the tape and say that that was a dirty hit? Marlon was getting hit as he was trying to go sack the quarterback and unintentionally, you know, end up hitting, hitting him low. And that was not a dirty hit at all. And even people around the nation on TV and everything was, and analysts and everything was saying that was not a dirty hit. So, you know, I would like no. to see him come out and at least apologize uh, you know, to that kid and apologize for saying that was a dirty hit because that was not even close to being a dirty hit. It was borderline holding. He, right. he was getting drugged down. Uh, you can see if you watch it in slow-mo, he literally has him by his pad. So he's being pulled downward. And by the time he made contact with Kyle, he was at his lower body. None of that was dirty or intentional. I I totally agree with you. I think Dan Mullen in the heat of the moment, he said it in his halftime interview. I could even understand that. Like these coaches get very, you know, defensive of their players. They're, they're a, you know, a father figure for these guys. But once you go back and look at the tape and get told by everyone in your corner that, yo man, like that, 
it actually wasn't a dirty play. How in the world do you not go to your press conference or to Twitter and just say, my apologies, like to to put that out there about a young man who is in the height of his career when I didn't have the information was not right. I, I totally agree. I think that would take very little of him and it would make a huge difference to somebody like Marlon Davidson. Yeah, correct, because this is this guy's name, you know, but every person that watches that tape and see the tape, if you are if you're a true person of football, you know exactly that that wasn't a dirty hit. From Dan Mullen's standpoint, you know, as far as a coach and your character and everything, I think it's important that you come out and you make a statement, you know, saying like, hey, you know, I watched the tape and it wasn't as dirty as I thought it looked in real action on on game mm-hmm. field. And everyone can accept that, you know what I'm saying? But to just kind of let it go or you repeat it again, now that becomes a real issue, you know, because players, you see players come out all the time. And they'll come out and apologize and say something like, hey, yeah, you know, I, I made a mistake. So, you know, I think coaches should be held to the same standard. You shouldn't just be held to the same standard. You should set the standard. You are the head coach. You should set what is expected of your players, your program, your coaching staff, and you as the head coach. We even saw Kyle Trask and Marlon Davidson had an exchange on the field after. Marlon went up to to apologize and check on him, and uh, a lot of reporters were tweeting from the field that they witnessed the exchange. And if you know Marlon Davidson, he's he's not a dirty player. I mean, that's somebody that represents Auburn football very well. Uh, he was one of our three representatives at SEC Media Days this year. Like, he is somebody that this program rallies behind. I totally agree with you. Well, as Auburn gears up for the bye week, tell me about the balance that there has to be to get some of that downtime, which you know your your body and your mind needs but there's also an aspect of, of losing a little bit of the momentum that season gives you. Yeah, I think for us coming into this game, I mean, coming to this bye week, I feel like it's at the right time. And the reason I say that is you have played, you have played three, three pretty really good football teams. You know, you played Oregon, you played Texas A&M, and you just come off a big one in Florida. And, um, and you're getting ready to gear up for the big second half of your season, you know, preparing for November. November is, is what – is what determines your season. And so I feel like for us in this in this bye week, it's all about number one, we got to find a way to get healthy. You know, there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. playing with a lot of nicks and bruises and kind of banged up. And, you know, we heard reports of this week that Whitlow may be out four to six weeks. So now these couple of practices are going to be, can we find a way to get DJ Williams involved in the offense? Can we find a way to get, you know, Harold maybe involved in the offense along with Showers and, and, and Cam Martin because these guys are going to have to carry the load for us until until Booby can get back. So this is a great week for them not to be getting ready for a game, but to be prepping to see, like, okay, let's learn a little bit more about our personnel. And I think for both, it's going to be continuing to develop within the offense, continue to learn from the mistakes and uh, – and continue to progress. You know, it's a good, great time for him to look back over these first six games and uh, and study the tape and study the film and uh, and see how to get prepared, uh, getting ready for the second half of the season. Because, like I said, once people get film on you, then they start to try to adjust to you. So you have to watch film on yourself and see if, and look and say, okay, what are some of my tendencies or what are some of the things that I need to break that may be some giveaways to the opponent. So it's a great time to, to have this break during the season. I expect these guys probably to practice at least – Three days this week, I expect them to probably get the weekend off uh, and then come back on a Monday or a Sunday evening uh, ready to practice and start prepping for Arkansas. So I definitely expect them to get a little bit of downtime, but I expect them also to implement some some probably some new plays, trying to find a way. It's probably going to be another week where they try to find a way to get Swartz more involved. I'm pretty sure that's been a hot yeah. topic around Auburn all week is 
how can we get this dynamic guy involved in our offense more? So pretty sure for Gus and the offensive staff, it's going to be studying to figure out to get these guys involved and how to and how to get the running back by committee prepared to go down the stretch over the next four weeks if we have to go with our Booby Whitlow. You never know what you find when someone is out. And I always say that, like, you just That's never true. know. You know, you look at Florida. They didn't know what they had in trash until, you know, and next thing you know, we hated for Franks, you know what I'm saying? But he got injured and this kid Trask come in and, you know, he's been playing good. So you look at like Booby Whitlow situation, like, dang, you know, Booby is down. We need guys to step up. Who's going to be that guy that's going to step up, that's going to shock everybody and be like, man, we didn't we, we didn't know we had this. Obviously losing Booby Whitlow, uh, it was announced this week that they expect him out four to six weeks after a knee injury that he sustained during the Florida game. There, there are still a crop of guys. Gus Malzahn says he's very optimistic about the guys they have back there. Sean Shivers, we've seen this season. Cam Martin, we've seen this season. Malik Miller, we've seen a little bit. So there are weapons for them to utilize. What becomes the the question mark is when you look at backs, you you look for size, speed, elusiveness, toughness, and ability to run through the tackles, pass protection. Booby Whitlow has it all. He's he's kind of all of what you want in a tough SEC running back wrapped into one. And when you look at this group, it kind of seems like they each have some of those skill sets, but they're still working to get all of them. So could be a situation where we utilize multiple, and I, I think that wouldn't be surprising if Gus optimizes several of them in situations. But it it will definitely be an adjustment period to be without a guy like Booby. Exactly, because, you know, if you look at our statistics uh, in rushing, you know, Booby is 544 yards at this point in the season. You know, I, you know who our next mm -hmm. leading rusher is? Our mm -hmm. next leading rusher is Bo Nitz at 191. And then Cam Martin is mean, at come on. So, <laughs> Like what? Right. So, you know, we have to find a way to, you know, to take some of that, that load off of him. But this is a time, you know, if you're a kid and you're waiting for your opportunities, you know, that's why I always say never pout because when you do, your time may come and then you either going to be prepared for it mentally or you not. Cause if you're a kid that's, and you're out there and you are saying, Oh man, I just can't get my break. I can't get my opportunity. Don't have that mindset. Cause as soon as you start thinking like that and your opportunity come, if you're not ready for it, then you miss the boat. 100%. That's the thing about football. You're never more than one play away from your shot. No matter how predictable the game seems to get an injury or a change can happen at any time. So It'll be interesting to see how this offense adjusts and evolves and honestly how Gus adjusts and evolves as well. We've talked a lot about his new kind of air about him this season and his whole approach to coaching. So there will be a lot to see from how he responds to this loss as well. So I know this team will will rally back, will bounce back, and will learn from this and, and move forward. So Auburn fans, keep your chins up. Well, Jason, I think we've broken this thing down as much as we can. So I think we should bring in some more insight. Today, we are so excited to have another awesome Auburn guest for you today. Former outside linebacker, first-team All-American, two-time first-team All-SEC, 14 seasons in the NFL. This resume, I'm telling you, is stacked. And add into it that he will be part of the 2019 SEC football legends, Carlos Dansby. Welcome to the show. Oh, man. Taylor, how you doing? Jason, how's it going? Man, I appreciate you guys for having me. No, I appreciate oh, you of coming course. On. 
Well, like I just said, quite the career you have had. I know those days on the planes mean a lot to you. When you think back to your time at Auburn, uh, what are some of your favorite mm-hmm. memories that stand out? Ooh, man, some of my favorite memories. It's, it's too many. You, you're talking about, you got to understand, <laughs> we did tour days. We, we did the true tour days. We had the true winter workout. So those memories of that, um, doing the football aspect of it, is unreal. You know what I'm saying? That'll stick with me forever. Not only that, you, you gotta you gotta look at the fan base. Like you know, it, it, it was it was insane. Uh, my first title walk when I came on the recruitment day that was sold me. I was I was done for. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it's memories like that um, that stand out to me outside the game. That experience is, is something else, man. You never you never had a chance to experience it. It's it's on another level, um, especially right now, man. With the hype that's around Auburn right now, man, and, and the fan base that that it grew into, and um, the atmosphere that that took place down there after the national championship. After Jason, you guys, you going thirteen and zero, you know what I'm saying? From those two seasons, man, I, I think the fan base grew tremendously um, outside of those those couple years there. So you know, it, it's it's on another level now. And all of us here, we we can definitely agree on our love for Auburn and uh, and that family atmosphere. It, it's just palpable when you're down uh, around Jordan Hare on game day. Well, Carlos, before we uh, get your perspective on this year's team, I do want to ask you mm-hmm. about the really special accolade that you are going to be given as a member of the SEC football legends class. What does that yes. mean to you after a career uh, at Auburn University? Oh man, it means everything. Um, I really can't even put it in words. Uh, just the, the magnitude of um, being selected, you know, saying all the letters that have came through Auburn over the years, over the decades, they've all been in, in existence. And for them to pick me this year, um, it says a lot. It says a lot. And, and like I said, my hat goes off to all the guys that played with me, all the guys who went through those tour days with me, um, and all the guys I, I, I put a lot of onus on to be where they need to be in order for me to have the success that I had on the field. You know what I'm saying? So this is, this award as much as theirs as it is, is, as it is mine. You know, and um, I'm just blessed to be in that position to, uh, to receive it. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm honored. And like I said, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to represent well. I know you will, and it is certainly well-deserved. Do you think there are any guys on this current Auburn team that may be in a class of their own one day? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. There's so many to choose from. <laughs> I, 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 the defense alone uh, this year at Auburn, man, it, it may be one of the better defenses that, that we ever had down at Auburn. Um, just looking at it from, from player to player across the board, all the way to the back end, um, this, this, this defense is very talented. And um, I'm, I'm anxious to see them uh, win it all, you know, um, even though we had a setback last week. But that was a growing thing, you know. And um, like I said, I think they'll grow from that, um, even even all the way up to the coaches. The coaches, you know, they, they, they're part of this process as well. They, they're not exempt, you know what I'm saying. It, it takes everybody and everybody to be on the same page, everybody making a tough decision in order to win it all, you know. Hey, Los, and as well, um, you know, your accolades you're receiving for the SEC Legends Award this year. Let's talk about mm-hmm. your NFL uh, accolades as well, you know, reaching that 40-20 okay. club, you know, how, how, how tough that was to reach that milestone and, and you know, to be finally, you know, uh, retiring from the National Football League, you know, such a long, mm-hmm. long stint. Like, uh, what do you mean for you moving forward? Oh, man, um, the accolades that I've been able to receive um, in the NFL, man, like I said, that 40-20 club, man, it's a rare club. There's only four of the guys that have been able to do it over 100 years in the NFL. It's been existing. So uh, for me to, to have an opportunity to, to to grace 
that club. Uh, man, it, it, meant, it meant everything to me, man. That's something I was hunting for, you know what I'm saying? Because I knew um, I was so close, and I had now going to have the opportunity to do it. So I said, man, I got to go for it. I, I put all my eggs in the basket and said, hey, man, this is what I want. And be to be in there, man, my, my, it, it just takes it to another level for me. You know, um, I'm amongst some of the elite of the elite in the game. And, um, and man, I, I'm just blessed to be in that position, bro. I do want to ask you each one thing. When you look back at your playing time at Auburn and your playing time in the NFL, what do you mm-hmm. think is something you each learned from your time at Auburn that you really carried through your professional career? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I don't let Jason handle that one first, man. You're the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, I, I, can say, I can say this, Taylor. Uh, the things I learned about Auburn, you know, about when they say about an Auburn man, you know, you got to be tough. Yeah. You know, you got to be gritty. And you gotta be willing to go through the the hard the hard times and and everything. And one thing I will say is, we learned a lot of our toughness from Coach Yachts. And what I mean by that, exactly. Coach Yachts was our was our strength coach uh, that had us most of the time in the offseason. And uh, you know, you probably heard Ben Grubb said a week ago, like if you was able to get through his workouts in the summertime, when the football season came, you was already prepared and you was already built for the third and the fourth quarters. And it taught us a lot about life because when you go through tough things in life that propel you in the NFL, you're always going through so many highs and lows. And and that I always tell people in, in sports or in life, you're going to be the hammer or you're going to be the nail. And you get a chance mm-hmm. to choose. You get a chance to choose. And for us, I feel like what, what you do at Auburn and how Auburn prepare you as a man, and it's such a family atmosphere. I think that's why guys go into the NFL and they have long, successful NFL careers. And Auburn is able to put a lot of guys into the NFL because of how they prepared us. Man, that's well put, Jason. That's well put. I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of that, Jason. Um, I think you're spot on with um, that mental toughness that you have to have, um, that we had to have during those winter workouts and those Yoxel those workouts, man. And, and not only that, then you have those, uh, those coaches. You have a you have a um, coach Witt, you know what I'm saying? They've been, been coached over 23 years at linebacker. You know, him teaching us the fundamentals um, on the field, and not only that, but teaching us the fundamentals off the field at being. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us look at, at these coaches as father figures, and they have to understand that, that, you know what I'm saying, at this time and at this moment, in these young guys' careers, as, as we, like I said, we was there at Auburn, these were our, our father figures. So we had to, we had to um, respect them in that manner. We had to... Uh, obey them in that in that standpoint because they was looking out for our best interests. You know what I'm saying? And um and it kind of carried over into the NFL. Like they said, man, you gonna have those highs and lows. But you can't let you can't let the game you can't let you can't let certain situations steal the steal the joy of the game. And that mental toughness that I developed down at Auburn um allowed me to propel fourteen seasons through the NFL. Well, I love to hear that. I love to get that perspective from you guys. Now, you were teammates at Auburn and and part of that family, but then uh, you Mm -hmm. played against each other in the league. So uh, what what is that moment like? Obviously, we see a lot of former college teammates that reunite on an NFL field and they get to have that exchange post-game, take pictures with each other's jerseys. What's that like when you get to see each other on the big stage like that? What's so crazy about that is – Carlos played against me in Washington. I want to say that was 2008. That's the year they went to the Super Bowl uh-huh. to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I had to go pick him up from the hotel and actually take him out to eat. 
Exactly. No, we end up playing on the next day, and uh, of course, you know, we end up winning the game, and you know, I had one of those right. games. But uh, it was always fun to see guys that I played with in college because mm-hmm. Carlos, Carlos and me came into Auburn together. You know, so we had a long history from that standpoint. So, and then for him to be in the NFL and see former guys that we played with, you know, it just made us feel special. Like the, the, the saying this year is ride for the brand. We was riding for the brand even in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that experience is, is – is, is... You can't really put it in words, man. To get a chance to play against your brothers like that, um, guys that you and like I said, you and went through these winter workouts with. You and seen them grind through the same grind you went through, and um, for both of you guys to be at this next level and get an opportunity to compete against each other, you know what I'm saying? You did it in practice, but that was that was one thing. But now you're doing it for a livelihood, and you're doing it for you know to try to win a ball game. Um, and it's live bullets. Like you, you take advantage of that opportunity to to take a shot at it. Like I said, Jason and Warren, but I ended up getting a fact against Jason. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I kind of posted it on my Instagram, but, you know, it, it's those kind of moments that, that'll last us forever. You know what I'm saying? And um, by us being brothers like that, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that I, um, that I cherish. I cherish that moment forever. And see, these guys couldn't hit me in practice, so they couldn't wait to get it. They took it out on you <laughs> in the league, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, they couldn't wait. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Man, I love to hear that. And I love what you said, Jason. These guys, uh, they they still ride for the brand even when they get to the league, knowing that Auburn is part of the reason you get that opportunity. So, Carlos, I want to get your perspective. Jason and I have obviously beaten this thing to a pulp. But uh, this this past week, man, that that was tough. Uh That was a tough loss what stood out to you as the reason for the loss but what does this mm-hmm. team what does this team still have the potential to become okay uh what stood out to me the loss this was it, it boiled down to coach making a tough decision you had to make the tough decision you had to say okay am i gonna sacrifice this game for a learning lesson or will i make the adjustment that i need to make and just run this ball down their throat um and I think he didn't run the ball enough in the red zone. When he got in the red zone, we wanted to throw the ball, I think, three times in a row, and we ended up getting up throwing an interception. Um, when we just ran it down their throat to get down there. Um, on the slant, on the slant route, you know, we threw it in the dirt because there's a guy standing right in the window. He had to throw it low. Um, but if you hand that ball low, I think we get in the end zone. Sure. I think we get in the end zone right there. Um, and it's just those, those, those little moments like that. You got to protect the ball. You got to protect the ball as well. Um, too many turnovers. Like I said, I think the defense, I said it's one of the better defenses we ever had at all. Yeah. With, with the way they ever, with, especially with the D line, the way the D line is stacked up right now, um, um, they, they control the game. And like I said, we couldn't get to the quarterback like we wanted to because guys was fatigued and tired. Um, we're still making plays on the back end. Like I said, we just got to pull, just pull together, man. We still got opportunities to be great. Well, let me ask you about the defensive side of the ball. Um, well, you okay. have a great defense like the one that we have, but mm-hmm. you give up a, a big play to start the game off for like a slant route and guy misses a tackle and he goes, you know, a long ways for a touchdown. What is the defense right. the coach is saying, you know, even though you played a great game everywhere else, you know, creating turnovers mm-hmm. and, and getting the ball, what is he saying to guys in the locker room on that side of the ball to, to keep their energy going, but at the same time, how does he feel about those two big plays? you got to change your mindset. The, coach, the defense coordinator got to come in there and say, man, guys, look, we played 65 plays or 70 plays a game, and we gave up two plays. 
this is this is the SEC, gentlemen, and that's how he got to talk to him. If you haven't had this experience, this is the SEC. Those two chunk plays cost us the ball game. We got to keep everything in front. Limit the big limit the big plays. We can't give up the big plays, guys. That's it. That's it, Jason. When you got him in a hole, run your feet. You got to keep everything in front, man. Get the guy on the ground. Get him on the ground. Be able to play the next down. Similarly to that, if you do come up with that big play, whether it's a forced fumble or a sack, mm-hmm. and and you set up your offense for success, and they don't right. capitalize, there were mm-hmm. two forced fumbles in the first quarter. Both only got field goals, which, hey, you get points on the board, but clearly we saw in this game you needed seven, not three. So those two happened early in the game. Then the Marlon Mm -hmm. Davidson forced fumble, which Derek Brown unfortunately didn't take it to the house. That turned around and was an interception. So as Mm -hmm. a defensive guy, when your offense does not capitalize on those situations, how does that affect you? Let's blank them. Let's not let them score a point. Another point, they can't they can't get down the field. Let's not let them cross the fifty yard line. That mm-hmm. got to be the mindset that the defense have to have. So, only we not let them cross the fifty yard line, we don't give up the big play. Keep them in front. Keep everything in front. If you want to check it down all game, we make a tackle all game. And eventually, dude gonna get tired of getting hit. He gonna turn that ball over to us. Are we going for the ball every time we make a tackle on him? We going for the football. Let them check the ball now. You only give them certain options and try to make them one dimensional. And that, in that game, they stayed one-dimensional, man. They didn't run the ball until late, late in the game because right. we had snuffed the run early, you know? So you got you to look at the dynamics of it. You allowed them to get back balanced because they had to lead. And that, that comes from, like you said, the offense not doing their part. Then, then the defense once again telling them, hey, get in the end zone next time. If you make a play <laughs> like that, get in the end zone. This is the ultimate team game, and that's what people fail to realize. This is the ultimate team game. You need everybody. You know, everybody want to be a hero. No, man. When you can be a legend, when everybody can be legends, the whole team, I would take legends all day long than having one hero. We said it last week. This this was not going to define it. There's still a lot of season left, and anything can happen for any of the teams that we're looking at. Clemson almost fell to UNC. So things could happen. There's still plenty, plenty of weeks left. And keep in mind those rocks on the defense that we all talk about being, you know, stellar in these games, they came back for this year. So if you think they're going to let the rest of the season slip away from them, you're completely wrong. Uh, Carlos Dansby, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations Mm -hmm. again on the SEC Football Legends Award. That's so special. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And like I said, I'm excited, man, to, to see the rest of this season and um, see us take it off. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to us. As always, we love to break everything down for you Auburn fans. We're talking all things Auburn football. We bring on great guests like Carlos Dansby to talk about the school that we all love so much. So don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review. Jason and I will make this thing bigger and better every single week. So thanks for listening and War Eagle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.